Well, I started out down a dirty road. What a song, right? Yes. Started out. Tom Petty, great concert. Oh, man. Played all the songs I wanted him to play. The sun went down. Love Tom Petty. Yeah, he was the guy who got it, you know? Yeah, yeah, he did. He, he was did. touring, and he, he songs I'm sure he's so sick of playing. He still played them because he knew we all wanted to hear them. <laughs> <laughs> Got to do the hits, baby. Yeah. I'm learning to fly. But ain't got wings. Okay, we were inspired to play this song, actually, because we've got uh, a couple of guests on our podcast today, and one of those guests is a pilot. A real live pilot! So our (laughs) podcast is going to be what it's like to be a pilot. (laughs) No, not really. It's actually about open relationships, and it's just a kind of a coincidence that one of our guests is a pilot, but uh, we welcome John and Mike to the podcast. Welcome, friends! Uh, the, the reason why we invited them on the podcast is because they texted us when we were having a conversation uh, about open relationships that I believe uh, was either on the air or on our podcast it's or a little of both. Crazy because open relationships have been more and more like coming like these research studies saying how happy people are who are in ro- open relationships and that it's just Maybe this is the future, guys. Maybe we're uh, on the cusp of something new, you know? No way. <laughs> Will it become the norm? I mean, I, I get that it works for some people, but I think you have to have a very special partner. Uh, you know, you both to have two people on the same page about it is difficult to find, I think. Anyway, guys, thanks for joining us. John and Mike. Hey, guys. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey. What hey. is up? <laughs> Yeah, so you were saying that uh, you have to have, you know, both partners on the same page. Uh, Interestingly enough, when me and my partner got together, I was completely against open relationships. I was very monogamy. That's the societal norm, and that's the way it's going to be. And Mm -hmm. then a couple years in, um, he brought it up, and I said, well... All right, sure. I'll give it a shot. And it is, it has been the best decision that we ever made. Like as far as communication, we communicate so much better. There's no, there's no trust issues in the relationship. There's no jealousy. And it's, uh, it's awesome. It it works perfectly for us. John, when Mike brought it up, was it like a, a last ditch effort to save the relationship or was there some sort of context as to why it was brought Absolutely up? Absolutely not. It was not a last ditch thing whatsoever because, you know, relationships as they progress through time, uh, things get a little bit stale in the bedroom, right? It's, it's pretty common for that to happen. And uh, he's had experience with open relationships, relationships before. Um, and it was just something that just kind of came up. And I said, well, why not? Let's give it a shot and see what happens. Let so me. Uh, well, I want to because we have both of you on. We have right. uh, we have John and we have Mike. Mike uh, is the one who brought it up. And Mike, was this something that you were just waiting for the right time? Like for the first year, you're like, I really want to bring it up, but it's too early. <laughs> you know. So it's it's really good. It is about timing, and it's it's kind of about when you're looking for more more variety. But the the most important thing is is not to suggest it until you've been together for a su- sufficient amount of time to build trust and in, in the relationship. I think that's the biggest thing. So once you've built that trust, then you can kind of start to have that conversation 
and 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 introduce that. You've got it down. You've got the strategy. The, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the strategy. <laughs> so this is something like obviously you know um, you've done it before because uh, John told us that. And yep. so so like who whose idea was it the first time you were in an open relationship? So it's funny. The last time or the first time uh, it was it was my partner's uh, idea, mm-hmm. and I was the same as same as. Uh, as John, where I wasn't sure about it. I was a little bit apprehensive, but you know, then we just kind of eased into it. And then you were sold and now you're converting others (laughs) along the way. (laughs) I'm the, I'm the open relationship evangelist. (laughs) Yeah. What, what are the, every couple I think have like a set of ground rules that they work with. And those rules can be different for each couple. What are your ground rules? Um, so the biggest rule that we have, um, and it was just more of a comfort thing is that we don't have any type of, uh, sexy times with other people in our bed. Um, because that's just our bed. That's where we sleep. So, uh, we have a spare room that is available for those types of sexy adventures. Yeah. I was thinking uh, you were going to say you can't even be under that roof, but all right. Oh, no, that's fine. Even if it's on the couch, just throw it on a sheet or something. It's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the other rule is, uh, if we're together, we don't, uh, we don't leave each other to go have adventures with somebody else. Because oh, uh, the time that we spend together is our time. Um, you know, if I'm away on a layover or something, then that's generally when it would happen because we're apart. So, mm-hmm. um, and then we also have a sort of a don't ask, don't tell policy. So, one of us won't bring it up uh, unless the other asks. And then if the other does ask, we will tell. Um, but you can't get mad or you can't get jealous. Um, but uh, unless it's a hilarious story or something went terribly wrong, then one of us, one of us will bring it up. But for the most part, we don't really talk about it. But mm. yeah, so those are just sort of our ground rules. And, and uh, uh, you guys, so you're both open with being with other people. Do you ever bring other people into your relationship? So like you guys are both, you know, as a threesome or a foursome or that, you know, that so kind of thing? Are you, are you talking more? Um, like just, are you ever in the same are you room? Are polygamy? Um, like we, for sex? <laughs> So we've done it before, um, maybe three or four times. Uh, but to be honest, we found that with threesomes, somebody always gets left out. Yes! And those two yes. people are going to have more it's of a more, It's more gets left out. We know that. I've been yeah. the one then, left out before. Yeah. Or the worst is if perhaps one person finishes early and then you're just laying there on the side of the bed while two other people are going at it like rabbits. And you're like, this is awkward. Like, what do you do? Like, how do you time it? So... Yeah, so and is it rude to leave the room and be like, yeah, I'm done, guys. I'll see ya. <laughs> yeah, I've done it before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're just like, I, I, I'm going to go watch, watch TV. Basically, uh, that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Just go and do your own thing. So really, you guys are talking about just, because uh, we, we do know a bit of your backstory in the sense that we know John's a pilot. And so if you're on a layover, you're flying to another country and you meet someone and you can pick up and then... That's a perfect scenario because you're also in another country. You're not going to have like somebody be like, oh, I saw John on Saturday (laughs) at this... You would be surprised though, because the number of crew members that are at these hotels that we stay at, generally it's just flight crew. And with airlines, there's... a a large number of airplanes from that specific airline that are flying into that city throughout the day. And everyone kind of knows 
everyone sort of or is familiar. So if you stumble back to your hotel room late at night with a gentleman caller, it's uh, <laughs> people see. Probably They'll call you out on it uh, the next day. So yeah, and they might uh, know you that you're in a relationship too, right? That you have a partner, and that you know, like, oh, that's interesting. You're with somebody Most else. Most of the people know that we're in an open relationship. Uh, like, we're pretty open about it. But uh, definitely, somebody could think that uh, I'm having an affair or something like that. That is definitely something that could come up. Yeah. I'm curious, um, in terms of the relationships that you have with other people, what are the rules with that? Like, is it just sex or do you go on, like, do you keep relationships with some of these other partners? Like go on dates with them for dinner or something like that? Or is it just one and done? Thanks. See you later. And then usually what I'll do is, um, if I meet someone on an app or something, I want to find out if they're a sociopath or crazy before I actually hop into bed with them. So usually on a layover, I would go for coffee or go for, I don't know, a quick bite to eat or a beer or something like that and get a get a feel for them. Uh, and then after that, just hop in bed. And then usually I don't keep in contact with them, which is, which is it's a lot easier to do when they're in another country or on another yeah. continent. So you don't um, have like your Houston boyfriend that you go no. and, oh, I'm in Houston and I'm hooking up with Paul. It's a gift, no, you know? like when, usually. Um, there is may that be a rule a or is that just by the way it's worked out? It's just kind of the way it's ha- been happening. You know, the reason we have an open relationship is so we can have a variety of different experiences. So I, I, I want to go out and essentially bang my way across Europe, so I'm not going to hook up And Mike, yeah. when, you, when you hear John talking about this, like his process, it doesn't make you jealous at all to hear that. You're not like, part of you isn't inside going, oh, I don't want to hear this. No, no, not at all. I mean, it, it, in the beginning, it, it makes you feel a little bit weird and a little bit jealous, but the same thing happened. The same thing happened with, with him, and when I would tell him about things, and now, uh, or you know, talk about the things. Now it's it's often it's like little kind of like war stories, where we tell each other, and it, it, there's absolutely no jealousy. I mean, in the beginning, it's inevitable, and it's just something you have to a feeling you kind of have to either get past or stop doing it. But mm-hmm. but now it's it's uh, it's completely normal. When you say there's a lot of horror stories, you know, people who are in these long-term relationships always think the grass is greener on the other side. You're having these fresh hookups all the time. Uh, Would you say that the fresh hookup is as good as, like, sex that you've been having with a partner on a regular basis and you really know each other? I know the answer is more as hoping to hear. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just curious. It's funny. In my first relationship, that was the case where I met a couple people where it was really good. And and I kind of thought that the grass was greener. And that that was ultimately a lesson that I needed to learn as part of all this. That, you know, you break up with with that person and and the the grass isn't greener. So Mm -hmm. this time around... That was one of the big conversations we had where it's like, you know, if there's feelings, you got to drop it. Or if you explore them, you know, you really got to think like, is that is the grass greener on the other side? And nine times out of 10, it's not because you're just meeting that person. And it takes years to get to know someone. Well, that's what I would think. Like, I I haven't had a lot of sexual experiences with many different people because I've been with my wife for so long. But um, I also there's some benefit to being with someone for a long time because they just know you better and Mm -hmm. they know what works. And I know what works on my wife. And oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and the, the sex is generally better with us than it is with others, but there's just variety, I think. Yeah, and excitement for it being new. I feel like the uh, playing field's not very level here in the sense that John's a pilot and he gets to, you know, literally his job is to go to other cities, whereas, uh, Mike, you've got like an office job. I'm sure there's maybe a bit of travel, but like it can't be one of those things where you're flying off to all these other places all the time. Yeah, I would say my pool is definitely a little bit, a little bit less full than John's. But the thing is, there's so many fish in the sea around here. There's so many different types of guys between the the GTA that you know you can get your fill. Okay, so there's no rules that say you can't pick up in your neighborhood, or uh, I mean, I would I would avoid that so I don't have to see them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but, but neighborhood I meant city, but yeah. John's a pilot. He's yeah. on vacation, uh, like, or surrounded by people who are on vacation. And when people are on vacation, oh. they want to have sex. Absolutely. You would be, like, it's unbelievable how as soon as somebody is just away from home, <laughs> they've let their guard down. It's like... It's unbelievable. It is so easy. And the second you say, oh, I'm a pilot, they're just like, whoa. Like, I call it a panty dropper is essentially how I call it. Like, <laughs> yeah. so it's, just, it's unbelievable. And even people that are married, like a husband and wife, I've had experiences with them where the husband has always wanted to explore this part of the world. And they're on vacation in a tropical destination. And... I arrive and (laughs) this happens and they're like, no one's going to know what stays, what happens there stays there. And it's, it's quite nice. Is there a destination that you're, that you travel to that you think is the ideal spot to pick up somebody for like a Um, one nighter? Not, not really. I do find that um, people that are down in the Caribbean are definitely more open to, random experiences more so than in Europe. And, uh, and do you mean like people who are also traveling to that destination or do you mean like locals in the nations that you're at? Local, locals as well, especially people that work on resorts. Um, uh, there, there, there are things like that that happen, but mm-hmm. more specifically, I find it's just the people that are traveling down there. So, yeah. you know, people back home, they really have to control how how much they, I don't know, play or, or how they present themselves. But when they're down south on a vacation, they don't know anyone. Nobody knows them. They can sort of let loose. And I do find in that particular situation, it, it's a lot easier to, to expand someone's boundaries. Yeah. Are there some nations that you have to be careful of because, like, same-sex uh, yeah. hookups are illegal yeah. still? So Jamaica is one of them. That's a destination that I um, purposely say that I don't want to fly to mm-hmm. um, simply because if who I am isn't welcome there, why would I yeah. want to bring passengers yeah. there? Yeah. Why would I want to bring money 100%. there? You know, so other people will. Of See, course, it's funny. I, I wasn't thinking Jamaica. I was thinking like further destinations and other countries where religious, you know, religions are much more like uh, factor. Prominent. And in setting the rules of a country, but yeah, I didn't realize Jamaica. Jamaica. Where else would you avoid? Um, I mean, the Middle East, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, Any European nations uh, like some, uh, of the, some of the Eastern European destinations are a little bit 
old school, I would say, mm-hmm. but the, the world as a whole is progressing. So the larger the country, I find the more they have been exposed to it, um, to like uh, the gay population. So they don't really have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, most of the, most of the issues that I run into are in some of the smaller Caribbean countries. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And is Grinder still the app of choice when you're traveling globally looking for hookups? Um, there's a few. Um, Grinder is obviously the most popular one. Yeah. Um, it's got millions and millions of users worldwide, but there's also one called Scruff, uh, which is for uh, gentlemen that have a little bit more body hair than... Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I like, I like how your voice got deeper there, Tucker. Okay. Uh, yeah. That would be me. I'd be Scruff. Just, I'd be Scruff. You know, Someone with a beard or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Scruff and uh, Grinder are probably the most most popular one. There is Tinder now. Um, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Tinder is a little bit more difficult because you both have to match, and I find mm. that on Tinder, most of the guys on there are more looking for a relationship. Mm. So. Yeah. Here's a question, just about yep. like somebody who wants to experiment, who might be married. Uh, to a woman and then you have this opportunity to experiment with them is that exciting when you hear about it but really it was more of a headache because the person is just a rookie no (laughs) not really no or is that like an awesome experience (laughs) but here's the thing some people are just naturally good at something so just because you don't have experience in something doesn't mean that you're not good at it right um it is i do find it kind of exciting when uh, a guy is doing it for the first time right that's always kind of cool it is kind of nice um but uh, yeah, I, I like it. It's okay. It's not something I seek out. Okay. But if that opportunity presents itself, I'm like, <laughs> okay. Sure. Oh, okay. It's not like, <laughs> oh God, we're going to be up all night talking about. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, no, no, no. Usually those people are the ones that uh, have quite a bit of experience and yeah, they want to hook up, but they also kind of want a relationship. So yeah. afterwards, they want to lay there. They want to cuddle. They want to spend the night and you're like no yeah 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 yeah, yeah. get, get out. out of here <laughs> we'll leave. Like, i'm not i'm not buying you breakfast right like, yeah we're done we're done yeah we're done yeah. <laughs> do you think um that you guys would be together if you weren't open um with your relationship i think we still would be together we've been together for seven years and open um for six of them i think we would still be together but i think that there would be more not necessarily tension in the relationship, but more, I, I definitely think it would be different. We would still be together because we're madly in love with each other, but it would be a different dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I would. You may not be as satisfied way. sexually as you are now. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 And you're, you're having the, you'd be having that situation where you always be wondering like, Oh, what if I did that? Yeah. Or I wanted to do that. And in, in our situation, we, we just get to try it. And I, I think another piece is you can often have some trust issues as well. Uh, especially if it's like you think somebody, you think your partner's talking to somebody else. And, and if you know that what they're doing already, it kind of eliminates that, that trust problem. Yeah. So were, were there things in your relationship, like before you agreed to go open that like, that John you wanted to do, but Mike wasn't into or Mike that you wanted to do. And John just wasn't into like, I know some uh, couples like uh, having actual, like 
intercourse is off the table. Like it's simply like blowjobs, handjobs, and everything else. But you know, like you know, but seriously, like some couples just won't. You know, you can have heterosexual couples where the the woman's just tired of giving head. That's it. Right. It's done. Right. It's off the table. Right. That was right. something from when you were dating. Now you're married. That's not happening anymore. <laughs> like I'm wondering if you guys found yourself in a situation where you were longing for things to happen that weren't happening with each other, and that's like the benefit of this. Yeah, so I, I, it wasn't so much about what, what you're not getting, I guess, in terms of like what we do together. Sometimes it's like, oh, or I want to bang somebody without a beard or that's, that's shorter or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, that, that, that would really be the reason why. But in terms of lacking something, um, I didn't find that was the case. Um, but but it, it definitely could be uh, 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 something that people would, well, you could have two tops together or two bottoms or, you yeah. know, and somebody who's not versatile or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, mm. uh, yeah. So I could see that really having an open relationship to kind of satisfy some of that. Aspect. I'm sure my but, husband would love I'm, to have sex with a woman with big old titties, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I get it. I get it. Uh, I don't blame him. Have you guys have you guys ever convinced or at least um yeah, big old titties. Big old I can't titties. believe I just got to say that. Big old titties. Have have you ever inspired another couple to go open and it backfired oh. major? Oh, imagine. No. Yeah. Like you're talking about how great it is and like we gotta try it. We gotta try it. They try it and it's like it ends them. They're divorced. You know, I have, especially at work, the cockpit is sort of a, like a confessional because you're, you're in there, the bulletproof door is locked and closed, and eventually you just start talking about things that are ridiculous. So I've, I've brought up the fact that I have an open relationship with a lot of the other pilots, um, and I'd say 90, 95% of the male pilots that I fly with are like, man, that's awesome and they think it's so <laughs> cool. jealous oh my god and I'll, then I'll fly with a female and I'll tell her the same thing and she looks at me like I just offended her so oh really oh <laughs> yeah I'd tell I you it was that, awesome I think that men are more able to differentiate between sex and love they're two completely different things mm. like you can have sex with someone that you love but you don't necessarily love someone that you have sex with and i think that's why it's easier for men to have an open relationship versus women if that makes sense mm-hmm, it does yeah uh yeah. when when you're flying uh can you can mike like be sitting up there with you like is he allowed to, like can you have your partner up in the cockpit just chilling so ever since 9 11 uh the restrictions and security protocols have changed significantly so the only people that are allowed to be in the cockpit um essentially from engine start to engine shutdown are uh the operating crew so the pilots and the flight attendants mm-hmm. if there's someone from transport canada that's doing some sort of testing or something like that they can also be there yeah um, but you can't bring some other... kid up there mid-flight mm-hmm. right like those days no, are, those days are done. Not. what if no, you knew that like uh tucker or myself was on the plane and we're like we're tight now we're like we've been yeah. hanging out what Besties, yeah. we were talking about blowjobs <laughs> a couple of years ago i, I said know? big old titties <laughs> you bring your big old titties in the cockpit you can come in yeah. no but what kind of special treatment could you roll out 
So the nice thing about uh, if you know one of the pilots, it depends on how close you are. But for instance, when I fly my parents, they essentially get treated like royalty. So they, if there's a seat in first class, they will be given that seat. They will give them priority boarding, um, waive baggage fees, as much food and alcohol as they want. It's sort of a, a free-for-all. The airline rule is to not do that, but but people we do, do it anyway. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. 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 Or you know, when I'm flying and I'm a passenger, I just say, "Hey guys," and we just get you know free snacks or or whatever. There's not a whole lot that they can give you. Um, well, it's like I mean, a cop getting out of a ticket because they didn't do a full stop when they get pulled over. Right. You know, yeah, like there's certain yeah. benefits okay. that come. Nice. When they you do. work for a radio station, uh, what are the benefits here? There really aren't any. Uh, no, uh, you get to go to the odd concerts. You get to go to concerts for free. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Not even a lot, though. Not like the old and you, days. And you used to be able to bring a friend, but now you have to go by yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's true. It depends. It depends. But sometimes, yeah, it's if you're quote working and you're escorting people, yeah, so they're yeah, like. Yeah. We got one ticket yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, hey, when, when you're um, just a side note, I know we were talking about yeah. open relationships. When you're a yeah. pilot, and uh, right now there's so many pilots who are basically grounded, waiting for the mm-hmm. pandemic to be over. Do they do anything to keep your skills up? Like, do you guys have mandatory simulator time or anything like that? Um, so right now, because we're all laid off, um, and airlines are really struggling, even just to pay their bills. You know, they're at significant significant losses um so in order to keep a a pilot current you have to do time in a simulator every six months and it's about a thousand dollars an hour and each pilot requires about eight hours every six months so if you have you know 700 pilots that you're trying to maintain currency for it's it gets very, very expensive if the aircraft, uh, the airline isn't bringing in any money. Yeah. So what they're doing now is they're essentially letting their um, skills, I want to say skills, let's say qualifications or whatever, they're letting them lapse. And then when we go back to work, we'll have to do a course to meet all of the uh, all of the regulations for takeoffs and landings and flight training and flight time and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're so really sitting in the hardest hit industry. There can't be anything really is, worse yeah. than uh, anything that's travel related. I, I mean, yeah. airlines and then of course hotels, yeah. you know, it's been, uh, it's been pretty tough because, uh, Mike and I lived a pretty awesome, lavish lifestyle for the last, uh, six years yeah. with our combined income and we're in our thirties, no kids, you know? Oh my God. Um, so we really could do whatever we wanted and traveled and it was amazing. Um, but I got laid off in March. So immediately our income gets cut by half. So it's been an adjustment, but I do find that for me anyways, I can live within my means. So when I was making larger amounts of money, I would just spend it on whatever. Yeah, yeah. And now that I have, you know, a smaller income. I just live within my means. There's certain things I don't do anymore. Um, what what are the rules but, have been through a pandemic with an open relationship? Mm. Um, so here's the thing. So for the past year or 14 months, as long as the pandemic's been going on, we have not hooked up with anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, we just find that that's probably not the safest thing to do right now. Yeah. Uh, so we sort of just agreed, you know, what, let's just stay home for as long as we can and because i want to go back to work 
So yeah, I'm out doing all of these things. Well, that just makes, you know, COVID-19 spread maybe a little bit more. Maybe yeah, I'm yeah, part right. of the problem, right? You so, want to be ready. Uh, Here's a question for you, John. If I turn my cell phone on before you say it's okay when we're flying, <laughs> can you tell? Is <laughs> your the GPS cock- in the cockpit just start like flashing off and on? You can't quite see where you are you anymore. We've got, we've got a screen um, in the front of the cockpit that's sort of got like a layout with all of the passenger seats in the back. Uh, and then if someone turns their phone on, we get like a little LED that turns on. You do not. Shit. You it's do really not. Shady service, Maura. You get really shitty service. <laughs> That's right. I asked for that drink a while ago. Yeah, we're getting yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, I'm not bringing my big old titties into your cockpit then. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded exceptionally dirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, but no, like turning your phone on, um, I have never personally experienced any navigational disruptions, not to say that it wouldn't happen. That's the fear, uh, right? That it would mess with yeah. your cockpit gear. Hearing on the side of caution. Um, but to be honest, the most, like the biggest issue with people on cell phones is if you're texting, that's one thing, but if you're in a, in an airplane with 400 other people. Imagine if all those people were on their cell phone oh. telling everybody about it's so annoying or they're not they're not paying attention to the flight attendants and then that delays our pushback and then that yeah. delays our takeoff time and with pilots and flight attendants we don't get paid until that co- uh, the cabin door closes. That's when we start getting paid. So when people are taking time, talking on their phone, walking down the aisle, being really slow to put their bags away all of that time uh nobody's getting paid so we kind of want to get out of there as soon as we can wow interesting yeah so many mm-hmm. questions oh yeah so many answers too mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> how often are you in the plane and you're a little scared about how things are going <laughs> All the time. I'm terrified 24 seconds. When you're landing, you're like, ooh, that was a close one. <laughs> no, that never happens. We, like pilots, uh, especially airline pilots, are are so well-trained that there's really nothing that can happen that we haven't been trained for. Oh. There's a few things, but um, most all situations we have procedures for, so there's really nothing that can happen that, is quote scary um turbulence do you ever get like oh shit i hope these wings stay on the plane because that's what i'm thinking and the plane's like getting no. thrown around i'm like god those wings are bouncing around pretty good and i, and I know they're meant to do that but still yeah. no turbulence because i've been in it like for 17 years i've been flying it's really no big deal for me um and it's just currents of air it's essentially like rough water right so when you're out on your boat on your sailboat and you're going through some rougher water, it doesn't, I mean, maybe it scares you, but um, that's sort of what it's like. But the, the most irritating thing is that when it's turbulent, it's really difficult for me to drink my coffee because it, it spills all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's just what, it's just really frustrating. But oh. it's more of an annoyance. Um, the other thing is if it's really turbulent, we have to slow down. And that just means we're in the air for longer and then delays sort of pile up. We oh, had a yeah. we, we had a fun fact. Speaking of slowing down, the other day that said that for for the most part, since like uh, that that air trips were quicker in the seventies than they are now, uh, because they used to just fly the planes faster because gas wasn't as expensive. So like New York to London would have been a much quicker trip back then than today. 
I can see why people would think that or why the statistics would show that. But it's important to remember that air travel and the number of people that are traveling has dramatically increased in the last, you know, 50, 60 years. So when there aren't very many aircraft in the sky, yeah, you can put pedal to the metal, you can fly full speed, and you don't have to worry about getting to an airport and having another airplane at your gate. Um, uh, or, or having, you know, think, that's usually why we fly at a set speed, at a schedule, because all these different airplanes fly at slightly different speeds. So even though and, the plane's capable of flying faster, there may be no benefit if you're just going to sit on the runway waiting for a gate. Yes, and the other thing is uh, flying faster is going to use significantly more fuel. So we fly at a speed that takes into account the weight of the aircraft, uh, the the distance to our destination, the winds, the temperature, all these things to find out the most efficient speed. Yeah. And they also take into account the maintenance that is required for that aircraft. Because aircraft maintenance is basically based on flight time. Um so they bring all of that into account uh, and then come up with a speed for that particular segment. Segment, But what you said, yeah, essentially if you fly really fast, there's a good chance you're just going to be sitting on the ground <clears throat> waiting for the gate and then passengers are going to get angry because you're on the ground. Shortest layover where you were still able to hook up. <laughs> and, uh, probably 14 hours. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well yeah. done. Yeah, it's good, especially at resorts. I mean, you should go out with Bundus. <laughs> he, he, he slays when he's released into the wild. He can slay. Uh, what was your Perfect. shortest layover in a hookup, Bundus? Uh, layover? <laughs> well, okay, no layover. Just shortest trip somewhere. Shortest else. trip somewhere else with the with the hookup. Oh shit! Um, trip. Uh, oh, you know what it was? As soon as I arrived uh, in Los Angeles, I went to a friend's house where I was staying. His next door neighbor. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was within like an hour or two. Wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. How does that happen? <laughs> I, I honestly well don't know. <laughs> she just said like, "Hey, you want to fuck?" And then I was like, I, how, "How do you seal that deal so quickly without a night out or well, some drinks?" She came over across the hall into our place, into like my buddy Zach's place, and we were just like hanging out. And then Zach kind of went off and left us there, and yeah. we're just sitting on the couch. And um, yeah. It just happened. Started having just, sex. Just, oh my shit. god! Yeah, vacation, man. <laughs> everybody, wants, everybody wants to screw around with somebody from not who's not from the same area, right? Like, yes. You know, I, I, whenever I, somebody I meet somebody in Toronto that's on vacation, I'm more enthused to have sex with them, even though I live here all the time. But they're on a vacation. I want to show them a good time. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think Bundes is somebody who could really benefit from an open relationship. Like honestly, not joking, um, because you are addicted to that, like the new, the exciting, and all mm. that kind of stuff, and the thrill of the hunt. And but you also have a desire to like form a commitment with someone, and maybe have kids and. Yeah, it's a really complex thing for me because I do enjoy relationships. Um, and it's not even so much the act of sex itself that I enjoy. Well, I do enjoy it, but it's 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 the thrill of like um, peeling the layers off of somebody and the excitement and the mystery of getting to the point where they want to sleep with you <laughs> that I find so exciting. And that's what I'm addicted to. It's that rush. I don't know. It's... Uh, John and Mike, doesn't he seem prime? It seems like a perfect <laughs> open relationship. Yeah. I think, I think Bundes uh, needs to become a pilot. I think he would quite enjoy that lifestyle. Right. Yeah. Right? I, I, Absolutely. How, how would, like, to become a, an airline pilot, like, how much training, how, how, did that pro how long does that process even take? So, uh, 
you can get your commercial license with 200 hours of flight experience, and that's about seventy, eighty thousand dollars. Um, and you can do it in as little as a year. And but, you can do that in just like a Cessna, like a small plane. Exactly. So you get your commercial license, and really all that allows you to do is be paid for flying. Oh, cool. So in order to fly the aircraft that I fly, like larger jet aircraft that have two crew or two pilots required, you have to have what's called an airline transport pilot license. Uh, and so you need 1,500 hours of flight time. So just because somebody has a commercial license, it doesn't mean that they're going into the cockpit of an A330 or an A321 or whatever and flying. Um, but then the airline itself has its own restrictions. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be flying some shit planes for a long time too. <laughs> I have a friend who eventually yeah. uh, ended up with yeah, WestJet, yeah. but he's doing like yeah. he started a little later. He got yeah. his private license, got the hours, and then he flew on a plane that he nicknamed the Death Capsule. <laughs> <laughs> and he was doing lots of trips of like Thunder Bay into different places, you know, oh. like where it's all small, like feeders of feeder airlines. And- Absolutely. For the first, you know six, seven years of your career, you're making crap money. You're working your ass off. Nobody really respects you at all because you're replaceable at that point. Uh, And you're flying airplanes that are not necessarily poorly maintained, but they probably could be maintained a little bit better. Um, You're also sometimes the flight attendant and the pilot. You do the announcements and you close that little curtain. (laughs) Uh, When I was flying for a very, very small regional airline in Western uh, Canada early in my career, so there were two pilots on the airplane, no flight attendants, 16 passengers. I would do the passenger briefing. I'd hop in the cockpit. We'd take off. I'd pass the controls over to the FO, and I would go in the back, and I would serve, like, cookies (laughs) and and stuff. And... It's, uh, an, it's it's a young man's, uh, t- you know, thing or a young person's uh, job, takes, right, at that stage? Yes. It takes time to get to the major airlines. But the nice thing about um, the amount of time that it takes is you're going to have so many amazing experiences through these different phases of your career. Um, and it's, it's really fun because, to be honest, once you get to the airline stage, it's very, very regulated. There's standard operating procedures. You're flying point A to point B. Um, there's not a whole lot of freedom. No barrel um, rolls, huh? <laughs> no, none of those black side, but no. Um, so it's fun. I know a lot of newer pilots, if any of them are listening, they sort of, uh, they're, they're, they're called chasing metal. And they just want the biggest and heaviest airplane they can as fast as they can. Mm. But it's really important to develop a variety of skills as you progress through your career. Because when you go to retire, you're going to look back at your career as a whole. And it's just nice to have all these different experiences. Like you meet so many different people. You fly so many different airplanes, even like the little shit boxes, like, I've got fond memories of those little shit boxes. So, well, don't don't um, don't sell them too much on this, John, because we don't want Bundes. Uh, we need Bundes to stay here on the show. That's true. You could do it part time. He could do it part time. He could do it part time. Just yeah. out of curiosity, yeah. have you ever been in like a like a jet plane, like a kind of like a fighter, or a, not necessarily like a military aircraft, but something along those lines, something like that, that could pick up crazy speeds and do aerobatics, lots of aer- aerobatics and stuff like um, that. Not not a military aircraft, but there's some light aircraft that are um, that do aerobatics. And I took a course when I was in flight school and I was first starting out. Um, and so I did an aerobatics course where you do loops and barrel rolls and, and all sorts of things like that. And that was really fun. 
Okay. But as, uh, as far as like an actual military aircraft, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My, that's I've done that though. Don't worry about it. It's, it's not that. I, I flew a snowbird, a tutor. For real, or are you just... Yeah, no, I, I went up on a media flight uh, just before oh. they were doing an air show, and they hand the control... Well, they let you, because it's a trainer, right? You have, like, all the same equipment on one side as the other, so they would let us fly for a little bit. So That's cool. That's you, you know, you're cool. not doing anything except speeding up, slowing down a bit, left, right, up, down of a little course. bit, you uh, know. But it, it was fun. It's like a video I game. Took, um, I took... Um, Mike's parents into a flight simulator once. It's not one that's approved by Transport Canada, but it's got uh, essentially a Boeing 737 cockpit with a full wraparound display. So when you go in it, you feel like you're in the cockpit of a 737. It doesn't, it's not on hydraulics, so it doesn't move. Um, but I took his mom and his dad in there just to show them what flying is actually like. And uh, so I took them in there for an hour or two and blew their mind. Like it was pretty, it was pretty fun to do. If only they saw what you were doing once you landed. We're going to have a pretty good idea. Yeah, right? Don't tell them to listen to the podcast. They will never yeah, know. Maybe not. Yeah, all maybe. right, John, uh, Mike, uh, I, I feel like John does all the talking in a relationship. Must drive you nuts. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> all right. You guys seem like a ton of fun and uh, really appreciate your openness to discuss your openness. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being a part no of the problem. podcast. We really appreciate it. You bet. You bet. Take care. And hang on for the take two. It's coming up next. Thanks for listening. Well, if you're going to run a business, you got to be able to pivot these days. And another strip club is finding a way to pivot their business to make some money during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. Wait till you hear what they're setting up in their parking lot. Club Pro has been around for 37 years in Vaughan. Mm -hmm. One of the only strip clubs in Canada to be owned by a woman. And they're not going to sit around waiting for this pandemic to end. The owner says this idea started out as a joke and yeah. now it's a yeah. reality. Yeah. They have decided to set up a driving range in the strip club parking lot comprised of five different practice areas. Okay. Tentatively scheduled to open for May 20th when the stay-at-home mm-hmm. order is lifted. Bundes, that you grew up in Markham, right? So this would be, this, would this, this be like one of the closest places to where you grew up? Uh, yeah, there was a couple in the, in the Vaughn area that I frequented a lot. Club Pro was one of them. Okay. A lot? Like, what does that mean, a lot? <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to go to, yeah, to the strip club quite often. Like, yeah. Once a week? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Once a week. At, at least. I mean, I had lots of friends that were strippers. Um, okay. So you, you were in the scene. You were in yeah, the scene. Yeah. Club Pro was great. I knew this great girl, Alana, at Pro. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Well, Alana Blonde, might yeah. now be considered more of a caddy than a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> really more of the same thing, you know? <laughs> Is it? It's funny, though. The owner says, you know, it can bring our kitchen and bar staff back to work, and it can provide a new career for our entertainers to turn from dancers to caddies. She said that. Yeah, but if you're, if you're hitting into a net, which is what I'm guessing they're going to have to do. You don't need a caddy. A, what do you need a caddy for? <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea. 
like it's not like you've never been to a golf course and you're like, oh, what happens when the when the hole turns right there? Do they uh, supply the balls at, um, driving, at the driving ranges? ranges? Yeah, you got to bring your own balls. Why would you even set him up for that, more? I was not setting him up for but that. I'm just like, maybe me. they could be in charge of the balls. Bundes cannot be trusted to have a conversation around this topic right now. I can tell you that. And then you, you open the door for that, just, like, as wide I'm, as possible. I'm trying to understand. They give you the bucket. Bundes, zip it. Yes. I think it's a hole-in-one idea. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. 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 You hit it into the net. I'm just trying to wrap my head around this, Tucker. Hey, you go... In the case of uh, what I think they're doing, yes. they're going to have a net. They're going to have a net. And they're going to have a fake patch of grass. And they're going to have like a little rubber tee on that fake glass. Uh-huh. And then you're going to put a ball there. You're going to hit it into the net. <laughs> and then you're going to keep doing that over and over again. And you're going to be able again. to order some drinks and some food. And I think they're going to try and make some money by having super hot people <laughs> servicing your your booth by bringing you food and drinks. Right. And, and as, quote, a caddy. Uh-huh. They're okay. just getting creative. Question is. Oh my God. <laughs> Will there be the DJ in the parking lot? Oh, are they moving the DJ? It's, yeah, yeah, where's the DJ? Oh, oh now you've got it. <laughs> Gentlemen, are you guys ready? Grab your number one wood, if you know what I mean, and get ready for the lovely Ferrari. She is rip roaring and ready to. Roll on over to your booth to make sure you have everything you need to hit that ball long and straight. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. We got to keep him in business, too, right? He needs his job back. Yeah, right? You got to think of everybody on the team. Can't leave him out. Drake just added a new car to his roster of wheels. He's got a custom Rolls Royce, my friends, with a mm. personalized message to everybody on the street as he drives past. You're a Let me guess. Started from the bottom, now I'm here. That would make sense. Yeah. That would make sense. Wait till you hear this message. It's it's off putting. Yeah, well, it's off putting. Look, as soon as you're putting on a message on your wheels for other people, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous because now you're flaunting like your money. Yeah. I don't think he particularly had something to do with this with this specific message. I'll tell you about the car, though. It's a Rolls Royce currently on display at the Institute of Contemporary Art in Miami. I mean, if your car is on display at an art gallery, you know it's a nice car. (laughs) He's going to be taking it home later this week. Its estimated value is Mm $400,000. It's customized by Chrome Hearts, which is an L.A.-based luxury jewelry and clothing designer, and they swanked up this interior, man. Diamonds are tuffed into the armrest. Okay, diamonds. That sounds sharp, like you're going to rip your clothing. Yeah, diamonds on the roof. It looks like a starry sky. The leather's been swagged out. But the most notable feature is on the outside of the car, and it's engraved into the chrome wheels. Okay, so he didn't have the message put there. No, it was already there. It was already they. Okay. Bu- so this Chrome Hearts put it there. But I would be embarrassed to drive the car around if it said this to people as I was passing. Yeah, it says F U, but it's actually written there. You're a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> what? You're a douchebag. What? You're a douchebag. What? You're a douchebag. 
Like, Why would you do that? Like the full on F U and then the rest of the spelling. Maybe Drake will have that part changed afterwards. I yeah. mean, I don't know. He'll do what I do in the winter and he'll get those $60 rims that are all black and just have the holes around it and yeah, yeah, you use yeah, those yeah. for your winter tires, <laughs> put them on for half the year and then you put your nice tires on for the other half. You should get something more like, you know, sweet, like you're amazing, you're brave, you're yeah. strong, like <laughs> yeah. all around the wheels, you know? Right. <laughs> you're strong. Honestly, I'm, I- I'm going to tell you something. I, like, I don't think people should have that much money. That, that they can do that. That they're, if you are embedding diamonds into the interior of your vehicle mm-hmm. or buying a car that has done that, mm-hmm. that's like that's insane. That's too much money. Yes, you yes. should be you should be building a hospital. Yes, for a neighborhood. Yes, with that money, you shouldn't. It's it makes I me agree. mad. It makes me mad. And I, I know agree. he's he's earned it. But like, should anyone have that much money that they can be that big of a douche that they're rolling around in a four hundred thousand dollar car? That says "f you" on the side. Yeah, thanks a lot. My husband Matt has managed to compliment me in a way that also sounded like an insult at the same time. Okay. You know, I've been really focusing on trying to get healthy for the end of the pandemic. I want to be re-released into society as like the person I've always wanted to be. So I've been doing. Doing my workouts every day. Captain Pilates over there. I am Captain Pilates. Matt says to me on Saturday, he says, you're getting jacked, eh? Look at your neck. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, my neck? (laughs) I was thinking the first Uh, thing he might say, wow, you've got abs or like your butt's looking tight. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm waiting for this first compliment from... My husband, as he notices my the my workout ethic, and you know I've been training so hard, he says yeah. my neck looks jacked. <laughs> my neck looks jacked. It's what every woman aspires <laughs> to have is a jacked neck. I'm right? like, what do you mean my neck looks jacked? Is it bad? I said, is it bad? He's like, no, it just looks jacked. <laughs> Thick neck. <laughs> yeah, is it looking thicker to you guys? I know what they say, thick neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, what's up with that? Yeah. What do you think he meant by that? Uh, well, it probably looked muscular, I yeah. would think. <laughs> Great. I mean, I I see, um, you know, when I used to go to the gym, I'd see guys who had jacked necks. Yeah, that's me now. I've got a jacked neck, apparently. They're usually doing some sort of shrug exercise with their shoulders, and you're just like, oh my God, that guy's <laughs> neck is jacked. <laughs> that's me. Yeah. That's That's me. That's who you're talking about. If you were to go through all your body parts that you'd like to see a certain way, would you ever even get to your neck? No, and like, I the musculature of it. I was really hoping you'd notice the abs. Those abs are rock hard, Mora. No. They match your jack neck. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when you think you're paying someone a compliment and then they end up like it backfires completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me of the time that I told my wife that she looked lovely. And she's like, lovely. That's something you say to your grandma. It's not something you say to your, your wife. wife or your girlfriend. And now I know if Deb's neck looks jacked, don't, <laughs> don't say don't anything. Bring it up. Does it look jacked? I mean, if you don't get to see it the before, you're not really noticing the after. But yeah, yeah. I'm like, is it veiny? Now is go that- like this. Now go like this. Go. <laughs> so like, we can see you flex it. I, I don't even know. How, how do you 
flex your neck. I don't even know. Oh my God. Bundus, look. <laughs> now imagine the Incredible Hulk in the Avengers. <laughs> you seeing what I'm seeing? Look at that vein. <laughs> Do yeah. I have like crazy veins going up so my neck? Veiny. Are you super angry right now? Or is that just your neck being Stop. super bummed? <laughs> it does feel strong though. Now that I'm putting my hands on it. When you go to cross the street, are you finding it extra easy to look left and then right and then left again before you make that uh, decision to cross? Yeah. That was the easiest I've ever turned left. This neck is so toned. (laughs) So researchers have found that people who are into illegal drugs are more likely to also be up for what? Any guesses, guys? Um... Good night out. I don't know. Uh, if you're into illegal drugs, you're also up for wild sex. I um ding 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 ding. Really? Kinky sex, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's like that's like obvious. Yeah. More obvious. Uh, hey, now the researchers are saying I guess it is obvious. They found people who are into illegal drugs are more likely to be into non-traditional sexual activities, more than one partner, BDSM, having one night stands. The guy who led the study says the well-worn phrase of sex, drugs, and rock and roll is very much true. So is your story implying that I like to use illicit drugs? Well, I mean, yeah, but I don't. I don't think I, I don't think of you as somebody who's into really kinky stuff in the bedroom. I, I think of you as a guy who just has lots of sex, but not like yeah, outrageous did, sex. Yeah, You're not a BDSM guy. No, no, no it doesn't no. have to be BDSM. It, it, you know, multiple partners, more than one partner at one time, uh, casual sex, one night stands. Doesn't have to be okay. BDSM. So I'm sure at different times of your life you fit into some of those categories. But you know, drugs mm-hmm. they they make you throw caution to the wind, right? Yeah, yeah that's what so they do. that's what's happening, is it not? Like you have some drugs, and you're like, God, I'm, I'll do that. Next sure. thing you know, you're having sex. Yeah. I mean, people talk about those cocaine parties. <laughs> I've never been to one myself. I've never done cocaine in my life. <laughs> I don't do cocaine because I seriously think that it's something that I would enjoy. Right. I think and people like get naked at those parties. Like they become sex parties, don't they? Uh, See, I think there would be a greater chance of me doing cocaine if I was at the sex party and it was offered. <laughs> you would rather go to the sex party to the other way around. than the cocaine party, right? Okay. Well, if I was at the sex party, I think I might need a little coke just to muster up the courage and confidence in order to... Relax. To, you know, rise up to the occasion. Right. You've got to be careful, though, because if you do a little too much cocaine, you might not rise at all. Really? Yeah. That's how linked fine a to line that? Is, how fine a line is that? It's a fine line. From what you hear. From what I hear. Okay. Like a little bit too much and then you're out of the game. Your body just doesn't work anymore. Can't you ah. just bring in some more illegal drugs into the equation to fix that? <laughs> yeah, you might end up in a hospital. But oh, yeah, that's yeah. how you get permanent boner, oh. right? Oh. Is that you do the coke with the Viagra yeah. and then you're all of a sudden you got a needle in your penis. Oh my God. In the emergency room. So how did rock and roll get lumped in with all this while everybody in the study had attended a music festival, it turned out, within the last five years? Mm. So, there you go. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's a real thing. Oh, thank you. I I, I was starting to question the validity of that expression of late, but thank you for confirming that rock and roll stars have, you know, a history of sex, drugs, and playing music. 
Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Thanks. It's Tucker and Mora in the morning. Energy 95.3. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.